The United Nations' latest climate change conference, COP26, held in Glasgow last November, was framed as humanity's last best chance to keep global temperatures within 1.5 degrees, a threshold beyond which runaway climate change becomes a distinct possibility. While the event brought its challenges as countries tried to thrash out an inclusive, actionable agreement, no one doubts that climate change is on the political and commercial agenda like never before. But the gap between pledges and action remains large. The science is clear. We're moving too slowly. The private sector has to be part of the solution. At its best, it's producing the innovations that will help us to reach net zero, whether it be electric vehicles or alternative foods. But it also accounts for a huge share of emissions, and companies need to take a hard look at their environmental performance. The task is not easy. Many are struggling to even quantify their full environmental impact. All are trying to take long-term decisions without decisive policy signals on issues like carbon pricing or fossil fuel subsidy reforms. My name is Adam Green. In the past, I've written on science and technology for various publications, including the Economist Intelligence Unit, the Financial Times, and MIT Technology Review. Today, I'd like to welcome you to Sustainability Powered by Technology, an Accenture podcast produced with EI Studios, the custom division of Economist Impact, where we explore how technology and innovation is helping to enable a greener, more sustainable world. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking with Sanjay Podder, Global Lead of Technology Sustainability Innovation at Accenture. Along with driving innovation in technology sustainability, Sanjay is responsible for the ecosystem strategy, offerings, and capabilities in this area, as well as for embedding sustainability best practices in technology delivery. We're also joined by Witzer Castra, who leads sustainability services, as well as the utilities industry sector at Accenture across Europe. Witzer has expertise in the areas of energy transition, renewables, electric vehicles, digital customer experience, and trading and risk management. I'd like to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Adam. Thank you very much. Witzer, I'd like to start with you. How strong is the business commitment to sustainability now compared to, say, the period around the 2015 Paris Agreement? And what explains the change, if anything? I think we are, we are seeing a massive change compared to seven years ago, um, especially in Europe, which is the scope I'm overseeing. So I can comment the best on that. But clearly in 2015, it was the governments, it was the NGOs, it was the, I would say, the, the global society putting there the targets and the pledges. Probably the industry is a little bit um, looking at it and contemplating. And I think we've seen a massive shift over the past couple of years and that, that really came uh, very clearly on the table at COP26, where businesses are now... Um, getting themselves to the driving seat and being very, very committed in terms of setting up targets, defining actions and moving the needle. Because I think everybody, there's no doubt, there's no doubt anymore that this is the future, that uh, you're, you're in it or you're out. So uh, I think it becomes a, a business objective. It's on the CEO agenda. And uh, it's very clear that this, this is uh, an imperative that businesses need to go after. So very big change, I would say, just in a couple of years uh, I'm observing. Do we find that some sectors are leading or lagging the way um, in, terms of, in terms of action? Um, and was COP26 a big step in the right direction in terms of pledges and commitments from corporates across the board? Yeah, there are some industries more advanced and other a little bit slower. And I think also within the industries, you will see the leaders and a bit the laggards. Um, I'm a utility guy, so I mean, 
our, our industry has been embarking on this change already 10 years ago. So, I mean, by definition, it was one of the most polluting and it's now really moving all gears towards uh, a sustainable, renewable uh, future. And now we see basically the, the decarbonization of other industries uh, following. I think it's also fair to say that for some industries, it's really hard. If you are a steel factory uh, or steel manufacturer or concrete or, or fertilizer business, it's really hard. If you are a professional services company, it's probably easier. So I think we need to recognize the, the, the differences in how hard it is to make the change. Um, we also see, as an example, the banking industry that in itself is not uh, having massive amount of emissions, but they are financing the emissions of others. So everybody has their own objectives to really lean in here. I think that the hardest um, industries obviously are oil and gas, uh, petrochemicals, steel. I would say the heavy energy industries are, are the ones that, that have, are struggling the most, not because they don't want, but it, because it's just so disruptive what they need to do. And I think in the consumer good arena, we really see some leaders and some that are a little bit slower, but I'm sure they, the slowers will, will catch up as well. But there, I think it's more driven by vision and and being a responsible company uh, that, that sets the agenda. Um, and then finally, I think the automotive industry is also quite interesting that for a long period of time, there was a bit this debate about is EV the future, the e-mobility the future, or is it hydrogen or is it something else? And I think um, that our, our friends in Silicon Valley, uh, the Tesla car manufacturer has shown the way to say that e-mobility is the future for automotive. There's no doubt anymore. And we've seen all the all the massive, uh, all the automotive companies basically uh, gearing towards that agenda. So it's done. It's it, it's the, the decision is made, and now it's all about execution. A lot of emphasis is on companies stepping up their game, but it's also fair to say they need the right signals from government. And what do you think CEOs and, and boards and companies most need from the policy community right now? We've got talk of obviously the carbon prices is one area, um, phasing out fossil fuel subsidies is another, more international cooperation, more binding global climate deals. Um, what's going to be most useful for, for the private sector in terms of the policymaker community? Well, I think you, you mentioned already the most important one. Um, for me, that's CO2 pricing, right? Having a, a, a good carbon price. Also, carbon border taxation is really important. So we create a, a global level playing field with the, the countries that might not have that price in place. But that's ultimately the most important uh, measure we can take and make sure that that price is giving the right signals. And I think in the European Union, we made massive progress in that area. I'm also a bit reluctant to have too many uh, legislations in place because it's better to have one big incentive that drives the behavior of, of the rest rather than having a, a patchwork of, of too many, I uh, would say, rules of engagements. It is important, however, that every industry uh, becomes part of this CO2 pricing mechanisms. And at the moment, many industries are still out of it, right? So, so for me, it's more about all committing to that carbon pricing model and having all industries joining uh, that incentive. And perhaps another one, which is more tactical but extremely important, is on a very local level in terms of permitting uh, the speed of, of, of regulation to be able to build or, ref or, or change a factory or, or implement uh, which is a new infrastructure on the ground. At the moment, it's, it seems a bit trivial and, 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 and small, 
but that's actually blocking a lot of the progression at the moment. So if you need to wait seven years before you're able to build a hydrogen plant, as an example, that's just a problem because we don't have that time anymore. And we need to, to, to reduce those, those timelines in, I don't know, six months, a year max, and then we need to, uh, to build. Technology has to be an important part of the equation here. Um, Sanjay, can you share with us how we're seeing technology enabling climate action in in the private sector? And are there any particular technologies that you see having an outsized impact at the moment? Well, uh, Adam, uh, technology will play a very big role in attainment of the sustainable development goals. As we say, these are exponential problems and they need exponential solutions. And Technology will help provide that. It is already helping businesses to reimagine their business models. And in fact, there are so many new uh, businesses that are coming up every day to address this decarbonization uh, journey, the decarbonization challenge. If you look at uh, the uh, technologies that are really making a big difference, one is the cloud. Uh, the cloud is helping not only to Uh, significantly cut down the emissions, Uh, but also it is providing a very resilient platform for business to uh, develop much more sustainable solution and reach the last mile, for example. And then there is artificial intelligence with AI uh, consumer sentiment analysis. What's their uh, reaction to sustainable products and brands or doing more... um, demand forecasting, for example, um, or doing analysis of uh, materials being used in manufacturing uh, products um, and so on and so forth. Uh, The other technologies like IoT, uh, again, going to have a very big impact. And last but not the least, blockchain. We can see uh, how blockchain uh, adoption is going up uh, in a very big way. It will be used for creating uh, much more trusted supply chains, for example. Um, So uh, all these technologies are going to uh, help CEOs um, respond to the climate challenge that they are facing. And do you think businesses are making fundamental changes to their business models, to R&D and products, or are they still viewing sustainability mostly as about improving the environmental performance of business as usual, if you like? Well, what we are observing that the leaders in any industry are the ones who have been able to integrate uh, ESG um, in their business strategy and are also who have been able to integrate technology strategy to their business strategy, right? So this is very important and that's what we are increasingly seeing when um, you know, the clients that we work with, they want to have a better understanding of their supply chain, for example, the, the carbon tracking, for example, the way they integrate ESG reporting uh, with their overall financial reporting, for example. Um, across the C-suite, there is an interest on how they can contribute to the overall net zero commitment of the organization, including, for example, the CIOs who for a long time thought uh, this is a challenge for the sustainability officer. But now almost all the CIOs we talk to, they want to find out what they can do to contribute to the net zero uh, commitments of their organization. 
what is the emissions of their IT, for example, how to how they build an IT that is uh, resilient enough for the sustainability opportunities for the future. The other other interesting thing that uh, we are seeing is, um, you know, technology will help not only address this challenge that organizations are facing, but organizations are looking at this as an opportunity to be even more profitable. So as we say, uh, make uh, sustainability profitable and profitability sustainable. Uh, so that, that's how uh, you know, I see um, uh, how the business models uh, are evolving um, uh, in, in our view. And how can companies best embrace technology in that sustainability strategy? Business leaders must push technology concerns to the top of the sustainability agenda. They should craft a sustainable technology strategy that comprises three broad components. Number one, using technology to drive sustainability by harnessing innovation and technology to help the organization achieve its ESG targets. Number two, making technology itself more sustainable by measuring the ESG impact of your technology and working to improve it. The sweet spot, ensuring that your technology is sustainable by design so it does not create the very problems you're trying to solve. And number three, delivering sustainability at scale by orchestrating the right ecosystem of business, technology companies, startups, nonprofits, and government organizations to accelerate the achievement of ESG targets and the UN SDGs. Interesting. So it's really about having that clear focus and, and set of priorities. Accenture has engaged with CEOs and executives a lot on this issue. And uh, you recently published a report called Climate Leadership in the 11th Hour. Based on a survey that you did, it was a really fascinating read with a lot of rich data. And I wondered, um, Witzer, for you, what were some of the standout findings from the report? Yeah, there were some um, <clears throat> some surprises uh, hidden in the in the report and in the the conversations we had with uh, with CEOs. Um, some positive surprises in the sense that uh, more than seventy percent of the CEOs are working on net zero commitments uh, across the world. So I think that's that's a massive uh, amount of uh, of people and of CEOs to meet the one point five degree uh, goal. But in the same time. We measured that only 2% of those commitments are backed up by validated science-based targets. So I think there is a bit of homework to do in order, I mean, a a commitment needs to be science-based, needs to be validated. So I think there is a a bit of a gap between the intention and the ambition and the hard uh, targets. So that's really one, one takeaway. Um, A second takeaway for me, which was, which I found really alarming is that more than half of the CEOs said they were already um, uh, feeling the impact of climate change and especially about, I would say, extreme weather conditions in their supply chains. So we are already observing in more than 50%, actually 63% of the CEOs are observing disruptions in their supply chains driven by climate change, which I think is a a number which was much higher than, than I thought it was. And then finally, perhaps uh, uh, a positive uh, uh, observation again is that um, compared to the initial service we did uh, 10 plus years ago, and this is something we do on a, on a, on a periodical basis, uh, 
we, we, we see that the CEOs are getting much more uh, demand from their investors, from the shareholders. So I think there is a, really a mobilization of shareholders pushing and demanding climate action and carbon reduction actions from the CEOs, which I found a positive sign because ultimately that's going to drive a lot of the change. As part of the project, uh, Sanjay, Accenture blended responses from the survey with your competitive agility index database to identify some of the common attributes of the high performers. I wondered if you could comment on the insights that this research exercise surfaced. Um, In particular, what did the best performing companies, which you've called the transformative category, tend to have in common? I think the main takeaway is that sustainability performance and overall business performance go hand in hand. Some of the characteristics that transformational companies share are dedicated R&D investment for climate resilient solutions, using advanced technologies to digitize their value chains, divesting from fossil fuel investments, measuring and disclosing climate-related financial risk, investments in green jobs, and diversification of material inputs to products and operations. Interestingly, one theme among transformational companies was that the pandemic has actually led them to increase their sustainability budgets. When you take all these things together, what it means is that transformational companies are finding ways to turn sustainability into competitive advantage. Sanjay, you mentioned that high performers are investing in R&D and tech innovation. And I wondered if you had other impressions in terms of the technology-related insights from the research. Um, It was interesting, for instance, that one of the common traits of transformational companies is their advanced maturity in, in using tech to collect and manage ESG data, which is a big issue and a big challenge at the moment. Right, Adam. It is encouraging that CEOs acknowledge and are in consensus around the potential that technology can bring about in their fight against climate change. Data is at the core of any effective climate response and will be a game changer to measure impact and manage risk. 81% of CEOs globally are leveraging technology to collect and manage organization-wide ESG data. Yet, only one quarter of these CEOs, 25%, are managing their data at an advanced level. Collecting data is not the key challenge. It is managing the data and driving insights that will differentiate your organization from the rest. It was also notable to see blockchain, distributed ledgers, and real-time track and trace technology being used to improve transparency in supply chain reporting and sustainability, for example. That's a use case that many people might not know about. What's your take on this, Sanjay? It is interesting to see how 71% of CEOs say that real-time track and trace of materials or good will have significant impact on sustainability in their industry over the next five years, while 60% of CEOs say the same about blockchain track and trace supply chain solutions. Digital track and trace technology will be critical to overcoming transparency challenges through the value chain. Increasing access to carbon footprint data it also enable organizations to make fact-based choices on materials and products. Witsa, in your experience, what are CEOs struggling most with uh, when it comes to sustainability transition right now? Well, the the biggest struggle for sure is um, how to execute. I mean, there's no doubt anymore on the fact that it needs to be done. I think uh, 
most of the CEOs will have a target in place or at least are in the progress of, of putting a target. But it's really how to execute upon it in a way that you create value and not, I would say, eat into your cost uh, structure. So um, having a, a good roadmap with clear actions and uh, intermediate milestones that are driving the sustainability agenda, but in the same time are delivering value for customers and uh, creating an, an upside in, uh, in revenue and, and margin. And that's really the balance that you need to find, which is easily set, but very hard to execute upon because typically a lot of the measures will take an investment upfront with unclear and unsecure, I would say, um, benefits at the end. Of course, there are non-financial benefits, without any doubt, very clear. But of course, we also don't want companies to, I would say, completely uh, deteriorate their, their margins. So it's finding that balance, uh, being fast and, I would say, ambitious, but also uh, making sure you, you, you keep your, your business healthy and profitable, because at the end of the day, uh, that's going to be uh, an imperative to, to move to a sustainable world. Uh, that's the only way we can do it. So that's really the, the trick. And the way I like also to, 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 to frame it is to say the next, I would say, eight to 10 years are really the decade to deliver. Huh? So we can't wait anymore to 2030 to start to moving. We need to move now. So it's all about execution. But clearly, uh, it's a tough endeavor. And that's really where all our efforts also as Accenture are uh, focused on. Sanjay, what do you see as the biggest challenges for, for CEOs when it comes to transition and, and, and on, on this point that Witzer makes about, about execution and really delivering? Yeah, in the, in the report, Adam, you will see uh, what we found in the survey is for uh, smaller businesses, the CEOs are struggling to understand what technology they should use to solve the sustainability challenge, Right. So it's not uh, relatively as big a problem for uh, the larger business. Uh, and when I say larger business, I mean businesses bigger than a billion dollar in annual revenue. So one is what technology will help them. The second is the affordability of technology. And this is um, something that came up with uh, almost half the CEOs uh, flagging the affordability challenge of technology. And this is even more pronounced in the global south, where the CEOs from the global south, um, they felt that the price of sustainability enhancing technology was highly restrictive for them. So I think affordability and what technology is applicable, these are the two significant uh, findings um, in the report. A final question for both of you. How important are partnerships for companies dealing with climate change and the climate crisis? That could be coalitions among their peers, working with new types of partners like startups or tech companies, um, public-private partnerships and, and other models. Where, where do you see the role of partnerships in, in all of this? Um, Sanjay, we'll maybe start with you. Well, as they say, you need a whole village to uh, solve this kind of problems. And these are exponential problems and you need... Um, uh, all kind of uh, stakeholders, you need an ecosystem and uh, either companies can form these kind of ecosystems as we have been doing so in Accenture or be part of these ecosystems comprising of, uh, you know, uh, impact partners, 
smart technical startups, large businesses, uh, government. So these these need a collective effort, and uh, that's what has been our observation. Which so, what about you? How do you see partnerships playing out? Um, the partnerships are extremely important for the simple reason that not a single company can make the change. You need to change across a full value chain and a value chain will have multiple companies in there. Um, if you take as an example the hydrogen economy, it takes offshore wind to produce green electricity. It takes a company with hydrolyzers to, to change green electricity in hydrogen. It takes a transportation network to take it to the factories and then it takes a steel company or a concrete company to to re-architect their factories and their plants to be able to consume the green hydrogen to be able to produce green steel, as an example. You, you can't do it as a company alone. You need to orchestrate it across, across an industrial cluster, across partners to, to, to make it happen. It's just one example. Another example is that we need to learn from each other. I mean, the, 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 the disruption and the change is so massive that, that I think we collectively need to collaborate to, to, to push innovation. I don't think there is a single company, exceptions here and there, that can really um, push the boundaries in, in such a way that you, can, that you can create the change. So I think collaboration and co-innovation is really critical. Let me make a final point on the technology side. Sanjay talked a lot about uh, ICT, digital technologies, which I think are a key enabler to, to drive the change and also to create new business models that are geared towards these uh, sustainability end goals. But let's not forget other type of technologies like um, um, biotechnology, uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, engineering, uh, mechanical uh, technologies that are all needed to 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 drive us towards this uh, sustainable future. Um, and also there, we need to have collaboration with these type of companies because <clears throat> the first hydrolyzer will be like uh, the first windmills we were building. They were doing their job, but way too expensive. So we need adoption, we need collaboration to improve and improve and improve to create these economies of skills, to create these uh, exponential uh, improvements and to drive down the cost and to be able to scale at, uh, at, uh, at pace. And, and all of that is, is really impossible as a company alone and all requires collaboration. Well, thanks to you both for this fascinating and insightful discussion. And thanks to you as well, our listeners, for spending the last 30 minutes with us. I'd encourage you to take a look at the climate leadership in the 11th hour report, and we'll include links to that in the show notes. Join us next time when we'll be discussing sustainability metrics. Why have they become fundamental to company performance? And why, despite the challenges, companies need to do a better job of measuring their sustainability? Thanks again 